Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to this Chemical Conversations podcast on the PVC market brought to you by Argus Media. I'm James Elliott, Business Development Manager for European Chemicals at Argus, and I'm joined by Michael Vitiello, our Global PVC Editor, Aaron May, our US PVC Reporter, and Matthew Redrendra, our Asian PVC Reporter. Gents, there is a lot of volatility in the global PVC market currently. Can we start by getting a brief view on what's going on around the world? And Michael, if you'd like to answer first. Thanks, James. So the biggest hurdle currently in Europe is the energy crisis, with buyers and sellers alike juggling the prospect of higher gas prices, electricity prices and potential gas supply shortages and the subsequent impact on their operations. EU governments are currently discussing several packages that could aid households and energy-intensive businesses such as the chlorvinyls industry and how to manage their input costs. But talks are still within a relatively early stage, and it's too soon to say what this could mean for the market. For the moment, we can attribute a relatively large slowdown in PVC offtake and reduced demand into construction, automotive, and other consuming segments to a combination of high raw material and energy costs, with buyers citing lower offtake from their customers, high resin and end product stocks, and an uncertain outlook for 2023 and beyond. In the U.S. right now, the big story is the housing market. It's weakening quite a bit, largely due to rising interest rates keeping the cost of home buying very high, and builder sentiment is continuing to fall because of that. Domestic prices for PVC are falling as a result. However, PVC production remains high, and I'll get into the reasons why later, but more and more material is going overseas, particularly to places like Asia and Europe. Domestic inventories for most of the downstream market, buyers and converters mostly, remain elevated from the higher buying patterns we saw earlier in the year, so a lot of buyers here are trying to pull back and reduce inventory. The only real wild card here in the States is a hurricane in the Gulf, and whether that'll hit any key manufacturing along the coast and maybe create a price floor for PVC in the U.S. Well, James, in Asia, the dynamics vary depending on the region. So last week in China, we saw PVC futures hit a two-month low, prompting active trades in the domestic physical market because of speculative demand. But on the other hand, the Chinese import markets remained quiet as spot offers were limited. And now in India, we are starting to see demand rise steadily as the monsoon season comes to an end. So because of this, more pipe laying and construction activities are expected to take place. But even with all these things developing and happening, almost counterintuitively, what we are seeing is that Indian pipe prices have been on a bear run since mid-June, with prices falling by a total of $530 per tonne over the last 13 weeks. The fall in prices has been driven mainly by weak regional demand, prompting regional producers to clear stocks on increasing inventory pressure. At the same time, U.S. cargoes have re-emerged, giving buyers in Asia more options while putting more pressure on Asian producers. The volatility in the energy markets are leading to many challenges for the chemical industry, and it sounds like that's the case for PVC too. PVC manufacturers are having to manage significant energy cost rises by the sound of it. What does this mean for plant operations and what are suppliers doing to mitigate the impact of these rises then? 
Well, for Europe, it's safe to say that most producers are choosing to reduce operating rates and limit excess resin production given the lower offtake in September and a lack of restocking activity in the region. So resin inventories at the moment are currently ample in Europe, both at the producer and consumer level, with most producers highlighting that there is further room to reduce production from the 70 to 80 percent threshold that we're seeing at the moment. Usually this would result in producers exporting excess volumes into Turkey and Egypt, but current demand is very poor there and poor netbacks out of Europe are limiting opportunities for non-contractual exports. Producers that are non-integrated further down the ECU could manage their PVC cost basis by using cheaper EDC and VCM from Asia and the US where possible. But complications in coastal and inland logistics are limiting producers from sourcing large import volumes. And given the fact that the majority of EU producers of PVC are indeed fully integrated down the ECU, most would prefer to capitalize on higher caustic soda prices at the moment in order to protect their respective ECU margins. The energy crisis, especially in Europe, is playing a significant role in U.S. production as well. As Michael alluded to with caustic soda prices in Europe, the U.S. is seeing pretty much the same dynamic. Despite the weakening domestic demand for PVC, production remains very high for all producers, and capacity usage is actually ticking up from the most recent data we have. And this is largely because caustic soda prices are very high and inventory for caustic soda globally is quite low. Now, caustic soda is a byproduct of the chlorovinyls production process, so it's not often a singular driver of the PVC industry here in the U.S., but it's also a very energy-intensive byproduct, which is a critical detail for a global market beset by energy issues. So when such great money can be made with caustic, whether in the U.S. internally or especially overseas as exports, U.S. PVC producers that are integrated from chlorine to PVC are essentially making PVC to support caustic soda, even at the expense of PVC prices here. Well, in Asia, we see the biggest impact in China. High coal prices have made carbide-based PVC more expensive. Now, this is a shock to many participants in the region as carbide PVC was seen as the cheaper alternative to ethylene-based PVC in the first half of this year. But that scenario has since been flipped on its head. Because of this, more buyers are now looking at importing ethylene-based PVC instead. And this is also especially a concern in India with local authorities beginning investigations into dumping allegations against China. Chinese PVC imports peaked at around 1.1 million tons in May, with most of these cargoes being carbide PVC. Now, because of the high carbide prices, Indian buyers have also moved away from Chinese imports altogether especially at a time when sentiment is bearish. Margins have thinned significantly for producers, and we do see producers facing tremendous inventory pressure. Thanks, gents. That's a great overview. Let's get into this a little deeper. So what do the rises in energy costs mean for PVC pricing and contracts here in Europe and across the Atlantic with you in the US, Aaron? So in principle, higher electricity prices are raising chlorine production costs and higher gas prices are impacting PVC resin production costs in Europe. Due to the relative stability of both gas and electricity prices in the past, the utility cost element never forged an integral part of previous PVC contract price negotiations, where buyers and sellers would typically agree pricing movements based on the feedstock ethylene cost. 
or to be more precise, half of the ethylene monthly contract price. Earlier this year, some producers had decided to adopt an energy price surcharge on top of the typical monthly pricing movement of PVC supply contracts, while others had decided to limit contract price decreases now in September, where the ethylene MCP settled at minus 120 euros per tonne, or even increase monthly prices in order to protect their margins. Others will be looking at reviewing their contract pricing basis and formula basis going forward in order to account for the utility cost. But it remains difficult overall, given the relative high pricing basis of European PVC contracts, lower prompt offtake and ongoing pessimism in the medium to longer term demand outlook. It's strange right now. In the U.S., despite the higher energy costs, we're pretty secure in our own production. Energy hasn't really been an impact on prices that much which is why weaker demand has been what's pushed the needle on prices the other way. If other regions need more PVC, VCM, or caustic soda, that's going to influence pricing in the U.S. much more than our own domestic energy. If anything, the global energy crisis has kept U.S. PVC producers much more active than they otherwise would be because there's just so much ample opportunity for U.S. products all along the chlorovinyls chain overseas. Okay, thanks. And a follow-up question on pricing. How does Argus assess PVC prices and how is this unique in the industry? Maybe, Michael, you can comment first. Sure. So for Europe, we assess a combination of PVC contract prices, which we denote as the contract markers, and contract price movements, which we denote as the contract deltas for Northwest Europe, Southern Europe and Central Eastern Europe. A similar approach is also adopted for the U.S. markets. Once a year, we also reassess our contract marker to account for renegotiations of longer-term contracts and account for potential rebates and premiums discussed during this process, ensuring that the contract marker is closely aligned with the market during this time. And this is very important in avoiding non-market adjustments of the current contract price. As the contract marker is independent of the contract delta, this reassessment of the contract marker has no influence on the historical contract deltas. For the contract delta, we pay close attention to the monthly price movement being discussed in the market and adjusting the contract deltas on a weekly basis, if needed, as negotiations progress during the month before publishing the contract delta final at the end of the month, which is the final assessment of the price movement for the month, and this is where we have seen a lot of interest in indexation. Contract delta assessments are based off of a variety of inputs from the market that consider freely negotiated PVC contract settlements, while also reflecting any potential difference in regional negotiations, market fundamental drivers, and participants' individual approach to pricing. But what I've heard more consistently than anything from the U.S. market in particular is that our job is to report what the market tells us holistically rather than conjure our own projections from any one point of data or internal mechanism. And so that's what we do and that's what we prioritize. Great. Thanks, Michael, Aaron, Matthew. A lot for our listeners to consider. We've got an interesting but no doubt challenging Q4 coming up in the global PVC industry. For more information about our PVC coverage, including our price reporting and methodology, please get in touch. We'll also be at Case Show and we'll be happy to host our industry colleagues for a discussion on PVC and what we're seeing, what we expect to see over the coming months. Thanks for listening. 